All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. I don't think I've spoken to you really since the Oscars. The last episode I did was recorded before that. I was actually writing in my update uh, about Chris Rock at the Comedy Store when Chris Rock uh, got assaulted on camera in front of the world by Will Smith. So uh, I think I might have something to say about it. I talked a little bit about it last night at the Comedy Store on stage. Let's see if I can put my thoughts together. But first off, Guy Tory is on the show today. Guy Tory, the comedian. Well, he's an actor, but started as a comedian. His brother's uh, Joe Tory. He was a regular on Def Comedy Jam and all the uh, typical comic shows that uh, were going on in the 90s. But around that time, he also created Fat Tuesdays at the Comedy Store. And he's one of the producers of a new documentary series about Fat Tuesdays that's on Amazon Prime Video right now. And I got to be honest with you. I didn't know anything about it. I felt bad when I watched it that there was this whole blindside to my comedy history. There's plenty of it, uh, of blindsides, but this one in particular because it was so contemporary. I knew that there was a black show down the hall in the main room at the comedy store when I would go to the comedy store in the early aughts or whenever I'd come back and forth. But I just always assumed that was like, oh, that's not for me, but they're having a good time. Uh, And I I didn't know what the story was and that it went on for 10 years and it was sort of kind of uh, it came out of something called the Comedy Act Theater, uh, which was a a black comedy showroom that lasted for years. That's where Robin Harris came out of. See, I always knew Robin Harris, but I knew nothing about the Comedy Act Theater and how it got sort of derailed, as did a lot of black rooms after the riots in the 90s. And then there was this sort of... uh, this period, this vacuum in Hollywood where there was no sort of black comedy, specific black comedy outlets until a guy put Fat Tuesdays together. And the the whole history of that world and the performers in that world, who I knew, but I did not know about the the impact it had on show business and that that sort of gave me context for the great Robin Harris and uh, Bernie Mac. I wasn't watching those shows Uh, Back then, I didn't watch BET. I didn't watch uh, Deaf Comedy Jam. I didn't know about this world. I I knew there was a black circuit and that there was an evolution to that, but I didn't know the impact. And uh, I felt stupid, but now I feel educated. So I'm happy to have uh, Guy Tori on. It was great to talk to him. It's comedy store talk, you know? That's what we do here a lot of times. Comedy store talk. That was what was interesting about, uh, about Chris. Rock is that, you know, I've been seeing him at the store for the last couple weeks. And then the Oscars happened. Wow. I was watching it live. And then I quickly had to go watch, uh, you know, footage from other countries that, you know, aren't, uh, you know, kind of uh, repressed, dumb uh, language uh, censorers. I mean, like, like, like America could not handle uh, Will Smith saying, uh, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth that would have disrupted america if we heard that not the fact that he physically assaulted chris rock on stage during a live televised oscar ceremony man had to go look at the uh australian feed or the british feed or the japanese feed anywhere in the world where grown-ups can hear language on television so Here's here's my thoughts on the experience of seeing it live 
was was just baffling. It was like, what, 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 what the fuck just happened? And a few things in, in retrospect, now that we've got a little distance from it. Uh, first off, it was wrong. There's no conversation about, uh, well, I don't know, Will had, no. But Chris, no. But I mean, seriously, if you know, it was his wife, no. It was fucking wrong. You don't go up and smack someone in the fucking face anywhere. It was wrong. I mean, there's no conversation about that. And this other idea that, that uh, is this what happens when you tell jokes? Are we afraid to tell jokes? No, it had nothing to do with the joke. You can tell whatever joke. And, now, and I, I'm, I don't like that comedians are sort of like, well, this is going to be bad for us. Comedy is always scary. I can't remember a year or a show, very few, that I've done comedy where the possibility of me getting hit wasn't a possibility. I guess it depends what kind of comedy you do. If you're a poker, I'm a poker. Chris is a poker. You know, you if you keep poking... Sometimes you poke the wrong fuck and, you know, you're going to get poked back. Something's going to happen. But you know that if that's what you do, you know the possibility. I've been tackled on stage. I've had guys come on stage and stand me off several times in my career. If you poke, sometimes you're going to have to handle it. But this isn't about jokes and whether you can tell jokes or not. I guarantee you, Chris did not know that she had alopecia. I guarantee you that Chris was handed a paper, just a bunch of jokes by the writers. They hire writers. He had a writer probably for the for the award show. And he said, I want to take some shots when I go out. What do you got? And he saw a bunch of uh, jokes. And, you know, and these were the ones that he was carrying into his head when he went on stage. And the interesting thing about it is he's been working out man i've been watching him work out he bumped me to work out at the comedy store i've talked to him about his new hour and i he said yeah i said how's it going he says it's going and i'm like it's amazing it comes right it does come. so he was he was he was ready he was battle ready he was ready to do comedy on that stage and you saw it you saw it in his eyes you saw it in his disposition when he walked out there and took control of that place just slamming he had full-on comedian energy and was going for it and he took control of that room and made it alive and then all of a sudden will smith is on stage he smacks chris rock and then he's off stage and in that moment all that happened in terms of the discussion is the guy that has spent the last 30 years of his career managing his personality to be one of the nicest guys in show business and have everyone like him lost his fucking mind that's what happened i don't know what's going on with him how far back it goes i don't know if it's relative to a past thing with chris i don't know if it's relative to his marriage to the pressure he's been under to what he exposed about himself and his memoir i don't know any i don't know what caused it but in that moment that guy left reality no longer had a context and decided impulsively and without much reflection to go on stage and hit a peer on national television that's what happened a guy fucking snapped can happen to anybody i guess not great timing but it's got nothing to do with can you tell jokes anymore it's got nothing to do with whether it was virtuous or not it's got nothing to do with any of that a guy snapped and it was a bad time for it to happen and it was wrong that's it but I'll tell you one thing, after working at the comedy store and watching Chris work at the comedy store and any of us work at the comedy store, I could tell you one thing confidently that security at the comedy store in the room is better than security at the Oscars. Granted, 
No one expected Will Smith to get up and smack him. But still, what should have happened? Well, if you're going to make the fucking Oscars look like a nightclub, you better, you know, control it like a nightclub. Somebody should have walked him out, cooled him off, figured it out, made some decisions around it, how he was going to handle it. He went up there at the acceptance speech because he did win Best Actor. He knew he was going to win Best Actor. And that convoluted speech was, he must have still been out of body. That guy did not, when he went up and hit Chris, he was not at the Oscars. I don't know where he was. All he knew was he was following a sort of red hot rage impulse. And I think by the time he got up there to accept that Oscar, he was still sort of out of body. And he was still reckoning with I don't know what. It was almost like he wanted to apologize or wanted to be forgiven in that moment or was trying to explain away his actions. Uh, But it was convoluted and it was the most profound display of self-sabotage I've ever seen. And I thought Chris, as a comic and as a comic who has been accosted on stage, handled it pretty fucking great. Pretty fucking great. I mean, in that moment, it was there was a couple of things that happened that I, I found striking. When I think he basically said, Will Smith just slapped the shit out of me. And it was almost as if he was speaking to himself to bring him into the present. He went out there all jacked up, ready to go, jokes in the chamber, laying it out, took hold of the room quickly like a comic, and then this thing happens that he has no control over. And the one thing that you have control over when you're a comic is that fucking stage and what you're doing. That's your place. If there's one place you shouldn't be fucked with, it's on stage and at the fucking Oscars. And I was surprised that, like, you know, you're just dealing with a room full of humans, that whatever cachet or whatever gravitas or whatever sort of uh, royalty these people uh, live in, uh, they're just people and they acted like a, a room full of people that were didn't know what the fuck to do, froze up and you know probably wanted out. Someone deal with this. But as a performer, I know exactly what that feels like. When you 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 spend your life as a comic trying to have control of the stage trying to never be embarrassed, never be caught off guard, never be made the fool on stage. That's that's what you spend your whole career doing. That's what comedy is. So I assume that when Chris was smacked, when like when I was tackled, the thing that you know right then as it's happening or, or a millisecond after is that, you know, I'm going to have to take the hit I can't run. I can't cry. I can't make the fight go on longer. I'm not that guy. So I have to take this hit with a certain amount of dignity and and defuse the situation. That's what you're thinking. Your first thought is like, I can't look like an asshole on stage. When you spend your life on stage perfecting not looking like an asshole on stage... When you're being made to look like an asshole by somebody's fucking insanity, your reflex is, how do I not look like an asshole? And I think he did a great job with that. The whole thing was disturbing, but there's no, the conversation around, is it safe to tell jokes or was Will right or wrong are not real conversations. The entire thing was wrong and it's still fine to tell jokes. 
and the risk of being a comic of a certain type, you know that danger is there, but you just don't really assume that in a room full of peers on a live televised night to honor people that some guy you've known for 30 or 40 years is going to pop and lose his fucking mind for a few minutes. The other thing I've been talking about on stage, I've been thinking about certainly since Lynn's death, is that uh, in, in relation to this situation, that after you know four years of Trump and two years of a pandemic and just watching the social fabric kind of fray at the edges, watching societal collapse, feeling the terror of a plague, and just not really knowing whether the norms will hold anymore, either governmentally and now socially. It, it just, it's one of those indications. There, in reality, Chris Rock should have felt more safe on that stage than he felt anywhere in his life. And what happened in that moment was, was painfully human on both sides. One out of control, one trying to handle and control the situation. And this can't be the way society goes. Look, everyone's at the end of their fucking rope. We're barely holding on. We don't know what's going to happen. We never do, but now more than ever, as things break down, no one gives a shit about the Oscars. Seriously, no one gives a shit. They don't even know if they want to do them anymore. The global impact of that Oscars is only because a meme is going to you know, live on for infinity of Chris Rock being slapped by a guy who snapped under the pressure of this fucking world we live in. That's scary. And if there's anything we take away from it, I don't know where Chris went after that moment. He got back up there and did his job. I know a bunch of people surrounded uh, Will, but you know, the comedian walks back into the darkness. The comedian works alone. No one's got you. No one's got you. You're all alone out there, man. And it's not getting any better. Scary times. So, Guy Tory, I never met this guy, and, you know, it was a, it's a great documentary, this three-part docuseries, Fat Tuesday, The Era of Hip-Hop Comedy, and it's uh, streaming on Amazon Prime Video, and I got a lesson. I got a lesson right now talking to Guy, and I got a lesson watching that about black comedy, and uh, I'm wiser for it. This is me talking to Guy Tory. Yeah, Best Western Plus, buddy. Man, I, I didn't yeah. know that exists. Sure, you know, it, it's no different than a Best Western. <laughs> but you know what? I stayed in the Best Western in yeah. San Francisco one time. I was playing, um, what was it? Cobbs, I think. Yeah. And I stayed in the Best Western. It was a nice be Best Western. Down by the, by the... By the wharf. Wharf, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was actually a nice Best Western. Yeah, sure. They're, they're okay. But I mean, when you talk about... That's the first and only time I ever stayed in the Best Western. Yeah. Well, I mean... I stayed in a suite in New York that like uh, that I didn't pay for. It was oh, a, right. DreamWorks paid for it in a suite in New York at this place called the Crosby Hotel. Oh. I've, I've never been in a nicer fucking hotel. Really? Yeah, and I was like, oh, this is what it is. This like I didn't even know what a nice. I stayed in a pretty decent hotel. I think the nicest one I've stayed in was back in the day. Yeah. 
when Steve Sharippa. Steve Sharippa, oh, the Tropicana? No, it was the Riviera. Oh, the Riviera, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. put me in this suite that they <laughs> yeah. that was in the movie Casino. The oh, yeah. Big yeah. suite. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. put me in that suite. But he put me in the suite at the wrong time because I was celibate at the time. Okay. You, <laughs> want, you want a suite like that? You want to be able to, you know. What? what, what yeah, there's a long story. Celibate. <laughs> 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 just going to drop that? Like, yeah. was it? Like, I was, you know, I, I had been on tour yeah. for years. Uh-huh. You know, Def Comedy Jam sure. tour, yeah, the Kings yeah. of Comedy tour, yeah, all that yeah. stuff. And I was just like, man, I, I can't keep just, you know, <laughs> I can't keep gambling like this. <laughs> My dick is tired. Right. Yeah. So. I, I started going to church and stuff, man. We, oh. we got deep, deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And then yeah. I said, you know what? If I'm ever going to find a wife, yeah. I, I can't be the wife just banging yeah. chicks from yeah. city to city. Yeah. So I ended up- um, Did you find a wife? Celibate. I did find a wife. Yeah. Yes, I did find- I mean, I'm divorced now, but I found her, <laughs> lost her. But, but no, it was, it, was, it was cool. It was, it was a nice hotel, huge. Yeah. And, you know, wasn't getting any ass in. Well, but the thing was with me, it's like, I don't want to pay for that shit. Right. I mean, right. that's the trick. Right. You know, it's like, I, I don't care how much money I have or right. don't have, but if you're going to spend, it was like a $3,000 suite. If, right. if I'm going to spend that kind of money on one night, something better happen. Yeah, just because you have it don't mean you have to spend it. Yeah, I'm not that guy. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's cra- I get, you know, airline tickets are like that for me. Yeah, well, like, I, I, that's one thing I let myself have. I don't have no kids. I have no wife. I got some money saved. I'm going to fly first class. Right, no, no, but, but yeah, yeah t- true. But right. here's the thing, the way the tickets... You know, yeah. Uh, it's the logic to me. Like I can fly to Miami one way for ninety nine bucks, right. <laughs> right? I can. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it was a different yeah. time. You can like right sure. now. Sure, yeah. And then one time I was coming back to L.A., I had to come back last minute for yeah. a gig, right? For a, 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 a interview, yeah. And the ticket was thirteen hundred dollars, yeah. In coach, I'm like, wait a minute, I just paid ninety nine dollars to come here, yeah. and I got upgraded to first, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then coming back at thirteen hundred dollars in a I middle know. seat in coach. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I said, I, and I didn't get my upgrade. I was miserable. No justice, man. Sitting <laughs> between two people with bad breath, trying to talk to each other, talking across me. Yeah, with bad, I'm caught in a crossfire. <laughs> so it was, it was like, yo. Yeah. So I had the money. Yeah, I could yeah. Afford, but but it wasn't right. It wasn't right. It wasn't right. That's I know you definitely feel that. Like I used to be American all the time. Now Delta, like that's what I am now. Yeah, but it's good. It's a nice first class, especially the coast to coast ones, right? That's seven seven seven. seven. You got your own apartment. Man, on I the got plane. I got like nine blankets and ten pillows from from, from triple sevens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like the Delta is like half the price. It's okay. I mean, for not, not for the coast to coast. I'll do the American coast to coast. Yeah, yeah. Delta, Delta. The flight attendants are. Uh, you know, no offense to Americans, but the flight attendant dealt a little bit more pleasing to the eye. Oh, that's that? what the Bible said. A little bit more fair to the eye. <laughs> you've 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 taken you've made notes on that. Yes. You're, oh yeah. Yeah. Because if you're gonna be on a plane for right. hours, right. you want something to look at. Yeah. And no offense to American uh, airlines uh, flight attendants. Uh, there, there's some of them are lovely, but some of them been there since the Wright brothers. Yeah, they've been, uh, <laughs> I know. They've been they've been there for a while. Yeah. They, but you know, God bless them. Yeah. So look, I'll be honest with you. Like I watched, uh, I watched the whole doc. Oh, right? thank you, man. And you know, Fat Tuesdays, the era hip hop comedy. Yes, yeah. But like the Fat Tuesdays, the era hip hop comedies. But I'm embarrassed because you know I've been talking to comics, and I've been a comic, and I was a doorman at the fucking comedy store in 1980, man. what six or seven. Wow. And uh, and I've been I've been talking to people for for years on this thing. I don't know. I didn't know any of that shit. <laughs> So, well, it was it was it was the comedy store's little dark secret. Well, just uh, but even that history of modern black comedy, oh, like yeah. I didn't like I didn't have a perspective on it. I knew 
just from being in comedy that it was there was a different world. Right. But right. I, but I didn't know what that world was and who right. was in it. Like I knew about Robin Harris. Right. But I couldn't contextualize him. I didn't. You know, when I, the record came out. Baby's, baby's kids. Yeah, baby I mean, kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I knew about him and I knew that he was great, but I didn't have any foundation for him because no one did, unless you were in that world, unless right. you were at the Comedy Act Theater. You're not gonna and, or you're black. Right. You're not gonna know what that guy comes from right. or what his you know what makes him great. Right. So it was a real education to me. And did you? How long have you been working on this? Thirteen years. Okay. So nine years underground, doing it myself, just you know collecting. Um, Interviews and, yeah. and collecting uh, really? research and things like that. Then it was like three to four years ago. I took it to my agency, Innovative Artists. After they, yeah, ten years of work already. Yeah, about, about yeah, yeah, ten, yeah. yeah. On and off, you know, we, we we go on the road. You put it down. Sure, sure. You pick it back up. You get right. busy. You put it down. But you it's pick tight, it back man. Up. It's tight. Thank you. Yeah, it was a great team, man. Uh, those are original productions and a uh, Gramnet, Kelsey Grammer's company, man, really embraced it. And then once we got Reggie Hudlin on board, well, actually, we got Amazon on board first. Yeah. And then once we added Reggie Hudlin, who directed it, man, who directed, my God, everything. Yeah. I think he directed The Last Supper. He directed he, it? He directed it. Reggie Hudlin. He directed House Party, Boomerang, okay. all right. Black Godfather. So that guy directed this. And Reggie Hudlin, yes. But you had, all, you had all this stuff that you shot, though, right? Yeah, I had a lot of stuff that I shot. A friend of mine who's an upcoming director, Bishop Moore, we were doing interviews. I had vintage footage from, you know. The what was the idea? You know, it was it was a comedian named Michael Blackson. Uh, we were on a flight one time, going to a gig, and he was talking about how he missed Fat Tuesdays. So yeah. He was talking about how these young comics need to know, you know, about this night. What was the? How many years? What was the years? From ninety five to 05. See, that's so funny because I, re- you know, I remember because I got back to L A. I was a doorman, eighty six, eighty seven, uh-huh. and then I went and did my own thing because I got all fucked up on drugs when you know, and I left. And for years, I didn't come back. I was in and out, in and out. Right. And I come back in 2002, and I'm going over there, and Tommy's running the joint. Right, there, right, right, yeah. right, right. But I just remember the place was dead. But on Tuesday nights, you'd be like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what happened? Yeah. You'd be in the OR for like in the original room for 12 people, and you just right. hear from down the hall like, ah! Right, like, oh right. my god! And it just, but I knew looking down that hall, I'm like, I don't think that's for it's me. A, it was a big black hole. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, I don't think I'm supposed to go in there. Am I supposed to go in there? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. And Peter Shaw says hello, man. Oh yeah, yeah, lovely, yeah. lovely guy. Speaks highly of you. Yeah, he's a great guy. And I was like, let me see what I have. So yeah. I went, you know, and looked at old VHS tapes and stuff that I had, and I started interviewing people with uh, a friend of mine, Bishop Moore, and. Yeah. And we started just getting all these stories. I didn't know how important Fat Tuesdays was to certain people. Yeah. And the things that went on, you know, in the back rooms or on the sidewalk or in the VIP booths, you know, chicks getting, my staff getting finger banged. Yeah. And things, I didn't know well, any of that stuff was going on. How'd you go, to, like, now what's the director's name again? Reggie, Reginald Hudlin. Reginald Hudlin. Now, yes. how do you, because in order to put the whole thing in context, it couldn't just be about, you know, Fat Tuesdays at the comedy store. Right. So you had to go back. Well, and, and talk about uh, Comedy Act Theater, right? Right. Well, here, here's the thing. Before I even got to, to that part, yeah. I was already laying the groundwork. Right. So, like, we got to tell the history of of how Fat Tuesdays came about, but why it was important. Right. And Fat Tuesdays was important because they weren't oppor- there weren't opportunities for black comedians a whole lot in mainstream clubs. Right. And so I had to lay the groundwork. I even went as far back as the Chitlin Circuit, even to slavery. Oh yeah, to, to really do the research. That was because, a tough gig. Oh man, uh, right, right. But you know, <laughs> slaves used to you know sure. tell jokes to masses to keep getting their ass whooped. Yeah, I, and I, if they were funny enough, the slave masters would take them to another plantation to perform. So you know, niggas been on tour for right. a long time. <laughs> 
<laughs> We've been on tour. I'm doing, so, a, I'm doing a joke right now about, uh, I say, uh, you know there were some funny fuckers in Auschwitz. I mean, <laughs> it's like, it's all Jews. You can, you can tell me there's not one guy where they're like, we got to right, go watch exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. But, but, but see, laughter purifies the air. Yeah. And when you're going through hardships or going through hard times and you're oppressed, yeah. there's comedy that's going to come out of that and you're going to make, some, you're going to make somebody laugh. So in, in, in that situation and in, in slavery, yeah. and, and, and with us, period, comedians, yeah. we purify the air. Hmm. We're dark individuals on the inside. Right. We do comedy to bring light to our dark areas. Yeah. So this story of Fat Tuesdays had to be laid out correctly. Right. To, so you can understand why this night was important, why having it on Sunset was important, why having it at the world-famous comedy store was important. And the world-famous comedy store is the club that took all the misfits anyway. It took all the comedians still, that nobody still, else wanted. Still. So here's <laughs> these black comedians that no other club wanted. The but perfect like, fit was the comedy but store. But walk me through it. So how do you, like, with your brother... Uh, Joe, Joe, Tory. Joe. Yeah. like he, he was out here yes. doing comedy and he was connected with, he was like the second generation comedy act theater, right? He took over. Yes, after Robert Harris passed well, away. Well, what, did you spend time in that situation? Did you go out to the comedy act theater oh, yeah. when you were a kid? And wait, no, 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 no. I grew up in St. Louis. I know. So I moved here in 1992. When I okay. moved here in 1992, this place that, you know, Joe had always ex- described. Where was it? In the Lemert Park on forty, like thirty-four, thirty forty-third Crenshaw. So this was a that's this was the first reaction to uh, to sort of black comics not having the stage time, right? In the main, because I mean, Red Fox back in the day right. had a club, right? But that wasn't necessarily a black comedy club. Probably right. was kind of. Yeah, it probably probably was. Yeah, but like so, the idea was in contemporary comedy that you got all these white guys in and doing their thing, mainstream we, clubs, mainstream clubs, but we need a space, right? Now there was always a black comedy circuit but it seems like the chitlin circuit though yeah it was an old you know in in clubs where they have a one or two commas go up you know before a band or after a band yeah you know it was never really a a really a a full-fledged black owned comedy club until probably red fox but the comedy act theater with michael williams started right so that that whole thing the comedy act theater was where that was the first sort of community effort on a comedic basis to put black comedy on the map in this town. Right. To get opportunities and also to have a room to work. Right. And maybe the only one in the country, the first one in the country. I I would would guess that's true. So you would see, so Robin. Damon Wayans. And and Robert Townsend. Yeah, yeah. And and, and Robin Harris. Yeah. And uh, Sinbad. All those guys came to the Comedy Act Theater and you see the the black stars came there. If they want to see black comedy, Michael Jordan was stopped through. Dominique Wilkins. Rest in peace, Moses Malone. Yeah. So the stars would come to South Central to the Comedy Act Theater to see, you know, comedians that they can identify with, and stories Ro- that they can relate to. Right. And Robin Harris was the host. He was. A, he was. He was. He was a guy. He was the guy because he had, he got tired of waiting for spots at the comedy store and not being able to go up. <laughs> right. And that's when he told Marshall Warfield, uh, who's a legend yeah, as well. I've like, interviewed I'm, her. I'm, yeah. I'm going home. That's what I'm meaning. I'm going to the hood. I can't yeah. keep coming here waiting for hours and not get stage time. So I'm going home. And at the time, Michael Williams was looking for a host to host to, to host. And the he's room. a producer. He created the Comedy Act Theater. Right. Well, what was his job? Like, what did he do before? That was I don't just know what he did thing? before, actually. But I know like, he used to come to the Comedy Store, okay. and he didn't see a lot of black comedians, so he was like, oh, so was, I'm going to start my own club. Figure this out. But yeah. he, he wanted Paul Mooney first. Oh, yeah. He wanted Paul Mooney to host uh, the room, and he said, Paul, Mo- "Paul, I can't see Paul Mooney as a host." Well, well Paul Mooney goes, oh, "Oh, no, 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 I'm not doing that nigga shit." <laughs> <laughs> and 
He said, you, 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 you call Robin. Call Robin. Because <laughs> you see Mooney hosting, though? That no, because he's such a... He's a singular thing. Yeah. He's not, he's not going to play the yeah, game. Right, right. You know what I mean? Right. And where did where did Robin come from? Did you know Robin? I never met Robin. Here's the thing. Me living in St. Louis, my brother Joe was already out here doing stand-up. Right. And Robin Harris took like Joe and Martin Lawrence under his wing. Yeah. Right, and a few other comedians. So, and Rick, Ricky Harris, rest in peace. What so, happened to that guy? How'd he die? Ricky Harris? Yeah. Heart attack. Because yeah. I remember him when, it was so funny, man, because back in like 95, like I did the the uh, Aspen comedy. Oh, thing, yeah. And they had brought all those black dudes out. Yeah. And it was like Bernie yeah. and Cedric and Ricky Harris was there. And you didn't see those guys in the snow? That was something. <laughs> Right, because black people, black people don't ski. We will buy the outfit. We'll, we'll spend a thousand dollars on a on a Gucci or a Fendi yeah. ski outfit and yeah. won't touch one damn slope. But we look good. Yeah. We got our brand new skis, but, our yeah. brand new outfit, and we ain't touching nothing. It. So Robin takes those cats, Martin, yeah, and, on his uh, wing, and your, and, your brother. And, yeah. and so I was in St. Louis. I, I, but I, you I, weren't doing comedy yet, no, right? No, I went to a Luther Vandross concert. Yeah. And in St. Louis, Louis Dix opened up. Comedian Louis Dix opened up. Yeah, I don't know that guy. And he used to, he was real tight with Cosby. Yeah. Uh, he used to be all Cosby, warm up for all Cosby oh, okay. shows okay. and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Great funny guy. So I, they advertised Robin Harris is coming to the fabulous Fox in St. Louis. Yeah, right? a big place. And yeah. I called my brother, Joe. I said, hey, man, I'm going to get this ticket to see this cat named Robin Harris. He yeah. said, oh, no, don't get tickets. That's my guy. I, I'll, I'll get you tickets. I said, you sure? He said, no, I'll get you tickets. So about three weeks passed. And my brother calls me yeah. and said, hey, did you get those tickets? He yeah. said, no, he died. Uh, I said, come on, man. If you can't get the tickets, just say you can't get the fucking tickets. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't wish death on somebody. Yeah, yeah. And my brother said, no, 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 he died. Uh, so I felt like I knew Robin because of all the stories that I heard from my brother. I worked on the Martin Lawrence show as a production assistant. All the stories Martin would tell about Robin. So all the stories about Robin Harris, I felt like I knew him, but I never got a chance to so meet him. So Robin Harris, I mean, the thing that made him amazing and sort of defined you know, what your brother did and what you did was that there was a way to host a situation. Right. Right. That 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 a black comedy environment right. had to be sort of, you know, managed with a, a, a firm. Yes. Hand. A strong, yes. A, yes. And, and Michael Williams had a strong hand who owned it. And Robin Harris was well respected and, and ran that room. Right. He'd get into the crowd. Yes. And he would just walk around shitting yeah. on everybody. Just right. busting everybody. Right. And they loved it. Right. And then and, and no one would fuck with him. No. And then you set the stage and you're like, all right, now we're going to have a show, right. but don't fuck with anybody. Right, yeah. right. And you set the tone, and that's yeah. how a comedy club should be. You shouldn't have hecklers. I mean, uh, everybody can't handle hecklers. I can. But but when you have a host. I can do it all right. Yeah, when you have a strong host that yeah. sets that tone and sets that precedence, like a Robin Harris, and that's what I you know learned to do but it's funny, with Fat Tuesdays. But, but you do it different. Like, each one of you guys do it different you know, yeah. in terms of, like, you, uh, Robin, Martin, your brother, and you. You know, all do it different. Right. You, you know what I mean? Right. There's something a little different. Like, you're right. nice. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and and Martin, Martin can go pretty pretty deep and pretty Ooh, weird. You know? Yeah, yeah. But he's, it's, he's not nice, but he's charming. Yeah. But yes. <laughs> yes. 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 So, but, but Robin, so that original crew was Townsend and, and Damon. And, and Damon and, and Sinbad. And, but they were young then. They, they were, were young, young. Yes. And, and, even, and even Keenan. Oh yeah, 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 yeah! When he was still doing comedy, yeah, they were all comedy act theater guys, and Myra J. and 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 like Marshall Warfield. I mean, they they played the comedy act theater, and Marsha did the store too. She they did were, the store too, yes. Yeah, but like they they just weren't. It wasn't happening. Even with, I think it was a really interesting point in terms of the history of comedy. This idea that like you know Pryor was this amazing, right? And he man. was. But but the thing was is that there was a whole world of black comedy yeah. going on yeah. that you don't know about. 
Yeah. And, and, and I'm like, and now I'm just an excited white guy going, man, why didn't anybody <laughs> tell me about this? It's funny because when I took it to Ramnet, Kelsey Grammer's production yeah. company, Kelsey was like, he said the same thing you said. He said, yeah. I'm embarrassed that I never knew about this night. Why yeah. Why? Why isn't this story, why hasn't this story been told already? That's right. That's and, right. And I, and I, I say, because I've been sitting on it. <laughs> Well, it has to be contextualized, right. you know what I mean? And it's sort of like, you know what, sadly, and I was going to and I was going to mention this, but I didn't know, you know, how to frame it, but like I remember hearing about the store in those years. Right. Because it was it was, you know, it was dying. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know why, but it was. And I remember somebody telling me it's like, yeah, the gangs took over. And it's like that's no, not I, what I, happened. I, I think I think I know what they're talking about though. There was a night Eddie Griffin attempted uh, Urban Night before Fat Tuesdays uh-huh. for the record. Yeah. It did a couple of months, and I think what ended it was, from what I understand, it was a fight one night. I yeah. think his was on a Monday night. Yeah. And it was a fight. Yeah. And Tupac was in there, and Tretch from Naughty by Nature was there, and they they a fight broke out, and they were beating the guy up. Yeah. Like, I mean, a fight broke out, and somebody approached them, and it wasn't yeah. like they started the fight. Right. And Tretch used to wear that big, that big chain, not, not not like a gold chain, but the chain that you lock your fence up with. Yeah, yeah. He used to wear that as, as, around his neck, and yeah. I just heard he was beating the shit out of somebody. Uh-huh. And I think that, so when they said the gangs took over, yeah. I think it was that, said that it one too. night, and, yeah. and, and it kind of scared Mitzi for a while. But I think that, sadly, you know, you know, my take on it is it just meant black people. Well... Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And like, they, they didn't want to say niggas to go, so they yeah, said right. gangs to go. That's, exactly. That's the polite way of saying niggas. <laughs> <laughs> or I, I like how now they say, oh, that's so ghetto. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You really, you really call me a nigga. Yeah, yeah. Urban. <laughs> it's so urban. urban. <laughs> yeah. But but like but I knew that there was a dark, dark time in terms of the <laughs> more ways than yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but even when I was there in two thousand and two, it was like you know I knew that you the, that the black people were having fun down the hall. There's <laughs> <laughs> a, a picnic going. Yeah, there's a yeah, family reunion going on down the hall. It's true because we're. But doing, that's what it felt like. Yeah. So Robin dies. Right. And then your brother takes over. Robin dies. My brother takes over, and you know the comedy store. At the comedy act theater. It's the comedy act theater. It lost a little bit of its luster, and then yeah. the riots happened. So your brother only? How long did it before it happened? It was it was maybe only a, a few months. What year was that? 90. It was ninety two, right? And Robin right. passed, I think, in ninety. I want to say so. Like in the doc, you really present as like we were about to happen. Everybody was right. about to happen. Right. Robin was about to happen. The whole scene was about to happen, and then you know, boom, that verdict comes down, and the yeah. place is on fire. Right. And that was just the tipping point because you realize at the time, man, L.A. was divided. The country was divided because in the early nineties and nineties, thank part, God that's over. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> You're more divided now yeah, than ever. Yeah, exactly. But now, but you had you had you had uh, the Rodney King trial. You had Michael Jackson trial, which divided black people and white people. Yeah. You had the um, O.J. trial that divided yeah. white people. <laughs> so you had all that tension yeah, in yeah, L.A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, black people have been oppressed for a long time and we need to laugh the most. Mm. Yeah. You know, sure. we need to laugh the most. So that's why you see these nights, these urban nights flourish because yeah. we got, we tell her dealing with, you know, shit and we come out to, to laugh, to either laugh about it or get our mind off of it. Right. And I, and I think it was interesting after like everything burned down that right. literally, you know, no, there was nothing going on down there. Nothing. And, and there was, there was still a community of black comics. Right. So how long and what happened in the interim after the riots 
Did did somebody? Wait, I don't know. Was it you? Well, there were a few rooms still going on, like around the corner from the Comedy Act Theater with Maverick's Flat. Uh, what about I mean, Comedy? I mean, the Comedy Act Theater was Maverick's Flat. That what about was... Comedy Union? When Comedy did that Union happen? came late, way late. What's that guy's name? He was in the. Uh, Enz Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah. I played that place a couple yeah. of times. Yeah, yeah. That came way later. Way, yeah, yeah. Because he was actually when I was doing Fat Tuesdays at the Comedy Store, he was actually one of the managers at the Comedy Store. Oh, really? And he ended up leaving and taking over the, the Comedy Union, which used to be called Mixed Nuts. Yeah. So he took over and changed it to the Comedy Union, so he started that club. But what, Okay, so you're saying after the riots, there was still some shit going on? There was still on. a few things, like the Fun House, Mavit Flat, right around the corner on Crenshaw. Was that just a comedy club? It was a comedy night. It was a oh, club. A they did yeah, comedy yeah. on Saturday. And who was going then, there? Um, Same people? You know who was hosting that? was who? Jay Anthony Brown. Okay, yeah, Very, yeah, very yeah. funny comedian. Yeah. He was hosting that. And then at Ladera... In Ladera, the townhouse was another night for comedy. Uh-huh. So they didn't have clubs. They had uh-huh. clubs that did comedy nights. Uh-huh. And, and it's cool, yeah. but there's nothing like a full-fledged, full-time comedy club. It just sets a different tone and a different energy. You mean being, having the night at a club, at a real comedy club? At a real club. comedy club. Right. It, it, it's, it's a little bit more respectable. Not that these nights aren't important at these, at these comedy. Sure. You know, they're very important. Yeah. But when you got a full-fledged club, especially on Sunset, where white people aren't scared to come and scout talent. Yeah. That's better. Well, what's your evolution? When do you come out? So, so you, you you wanted to see Robin Harris in St. Louis. When do you decide to do comedy? Uh, when I got here in '92, I was always a class clown and campus clown. But you knew your brother was like a, right. kind of a big deal, right? Right. Right. So when you know what what do you you just decided after college or whenever you go? Well, when I got uh, kicked out of college, you got uh, <laughs> for being a comedian. Not only kicked, well, basically yes, and 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 hitting a cop. Yeah. Um. But anyway, that's a whole other story. <laughs> Knock his ass out though. Yeah. Um. But what is that story? I was in college and uh, I was at a party yeah. in like university center with yeah. students, and two fraternities started fighting. Yeah, Omega Psi Phi and yeah. uh, and 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 the, and the uh, what was it? Uh, Blue Phi. Uh, uh-huh. What are they? Uh, um, Sigmas. Yeah, yeah, Sigmas. So they started fighting, and it was like a free fall, like a barroom brawl, like the old Western movie. Yeah, everybody just punching everybody. <laughs> yeah, and somebody grabbed me from behind. I turned around, and just swung. Yeah. And it was a cop. Yeah, and that was it. And I didn't know it was a cop when I just turned around and started swinging. Yeah. And he happened to be a cop. And they, they whooped my ass and locked me up. Yeah. And not only did I get kicked out the college, I got kicked out the whole town. <laughs> I couldn't come within 100 miles of the town. <laughs> what town was that? And I only lived, a, I only lived 109 miles out. <laughs> it was 109 miles out of St. Louis. Yeah. It's Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was... It was uh, so I moved to L.A. in 92, man. And two weeks later... You know, I went to the, I got on stage. Where? Comedy Act Theater. Oh, oh, you were, yeah. uh, so, and your brother was hosting? Uh, he wasn't hosting. He was already, already done hosting and on the, uh, on the Def Comedy Jam tour at that point. Oh, okay. Right. So they, so when did Def Comedy Jam start? It started early 92. Cause that's, uh, Russell that's Simmons. in the movie. So that was, yeah. that grew out of the Comedy Act Theater. Pretty much. The Comeback Theater and also uh, clubs on the East Coast of New York. The right. Peppermint yeah, was in yeah, Jersey. Yeah. That was a, a hot room. Yeah. They had another one called, I think it was called Uptown in New York uh, that he that was that inspired Def Comedy Jam. Was it, was it a live tour before it was a TV show? No, oh, no, so, no. So no. 92 is when Def Comedy Jam started. Right. On TV. Right. Wow. And who, who, who hosted 91, that? 92 in, 91. in that area. It was Martin Lawrence. At was the beginning. All because the way it was supposed to have been Robin Harris. Oh, yeah. And Robin Harris passed away. What was the thing that Talent hosted? Talent had a night uh, at the Boston the Comedy Boston Club. Comedy yeah. Club. I remember that guy. But yeah. I thought he was on TV to BET. Well, he what did. He, did he, we, he toured with us on Def Comedy Jam after I did Def Jam. But he did Def Jam as well. And Def Jam ran forever. 
Jeff Jarrett ran forever, man. All right, so so the, your brother's out on tour. You come in and you did a night. You did a you did the comedy act theater. Who was hosting the night you first did comedy? Oh, you know what? I don't even remember. Really, I really don't. It but was you, a Thursday night. But you'd too. never done it before, and you just went up there. I had done it. The, I had done it the night before <laughs> in a club where Ricky Harris was hosting. My brother was headlining, and it was going to be my first time on stage. Yeah, and uh, I was in a limo. They sent a limo for our brother to go to this club in Mount Clare. It was Clare Mountain, Mount Clare, one of them. Uh-huh. And I'm in a limo talking shit. Yeah. I'm drinking rum and coke, uh-huh. and I'm gonna get on this stage, and I'm gonna tear this motherfucker up. Yeah. I'm a real. I'm gonna get a standing ovation. I am going to be in the Hall of Fame <laughs> after this fucking first set. <laughs> I died the death of a thousand <laughs> damn dogs. I bombed so fucking bad. <laughs> you can hear he thought it. I was in Baghdad. I'm telling you, hey, it, 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 it was it was horrible. And Ricky Harris went on stage after me yeah. and tore my ass up for ten minutes. <laughs> like he did a he he did a bit. He was just like, man, you saw saw him in the car. He was a Rottweiler. I'm gonna tear him up. Stand on ovation. Then he said he left the stage like a like a cat. Yeah, I mean, he did 10 minutes on me strong. Yeah. But I went up the next night and did a little better. I went up yeah. the next night at the Comedy Act Theater. And I just started going up every night after that. Yeah. Now, I know, like, part of the subtext of the three episodes of the doc is your relationship with Joe. Yes. And, you know, it's strained and weird. Yes. And, uh, you know, but it, and even at the end, you don't, I don't feel like it's any better, to be honest with you. Were you, were, were you a psychic? <laughs> <laughs> no. It's, 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 it's not. Yeah. I mean, you know, we have our moments. You know, we, yeah. we, we kind of came together as we were shooting the doc. Yeah. You know, because yeah. you know, realize that, you know, it's stupid. But then, you know, uh, Joe's Joe. Everyone goes back to the corner. Yeah, everybody's going back to the corner. For a little, it's good for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, and then, yeah, and yeah. then he, you know, he, you know. He appears again. Yeah. You know, and then it, we're back to, you yeah. know, being estranged. And you're both doing comedy still. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's kind of wild. You didn't have to do no open mics. You didn't, you just. Kinda... I did. Oh, okay. I did tons of open mics. Oh. So, oh, I did tons of open so mics. So after the Thursday at the Comedy Act Theater, then you had to start doing oh, yeah, I was doing. Real. I was doing pizza uh, parlors. Yeah, I was yeah. doing uh, right. living room uh, oh, uh, yeah. uh, fireplaces sure. and somebody living room for New Year's Eve. Yeah. Anything to make a buck, because yeah. you know you don't get paid in comedy. Right. Not the, you know, We get paid to work out, but it's not a lot of money. Yeah. But I did all the open mics. Yeah. I was, I was doing the potluck on Monday nights at the comedy store. Yeah. So that was that was an open mic I, I would do. I would do the, the other clubs I mentioned, the yeah. Fun House, yeah. you know, Mavis Flat. I would do um, the improv so open you, mics. Because you're working hard you're trying to get you figure oh, yeah. it out oh yeah it was so funny when uh, Chappelle's in the dock and you know, he doesn't it's it, his take on you know the doorman system right, right. at the comedy <laughs> store which was like such a dug in system like right. you know no you gotta you gotta do the yeah. work the door yeah. and you, you dr- work the lot and then you kind of get spots you and get, you gotta get one of these shirts yeah yeah and Chappelle's like uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> yeah. I ain't doing that shit. Yeah, I don't. I, he he never he couldn't wrap his brain right, around. Right, it. Who right. Who the fuck is gonna do that? Right. Because <laughs> I guess it's different. I guess on the East Coast, I'm not sure. In, well, in then, the well, I, there's nothing like the comedy store. I mean, right. yeah, and she had this like, and it was there for years. Right. You know, Tommy did it, and it's still sort of there. Right. That the idea is like, you know, you get to spend all this time making shit. Right. You know, you know, cleaning up and you know, working the door. Right. But you know, you're seeing the real thing. Right. And eventually, you get on up there. I was a doorman, you know, lock guy, and I lived in that fucking house behind the right in the late eighties. Damn. Yeah, I mean, I I did the system. Oh, there should, should be a doc just on that house, dude. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I I almost closed that. 
that house down. I, that's right. I don't know if I became a comic, but I certainly became a pretty good cocaine addict. <laughs> Doing that belly room, you know, every once in a while going up on the yeah. in the original room. But I don't regret any of it. it took me a while to get my brain back. Yeah, so you're back here. Yeah, I'm stronger back. than ever. I'm doing good. Uh, so. At what point? Who? How does it come together to to do Fat Tuesdays? And what was the? You know, it was. You know, it's funny. It's funny you say that because I hated the way white people made me feel when I told them I wasn't a regular at the comedy store or the improv <laughs> laugh at. Which white people? They, they just, I mean, don't people that knew what that meant? Right, because yeah. they were saying, so "You're comics? a comedian. Oh, when can I see you at the comedy uh, store?" Uh, and I was right. like, "Uh, well, I'm not." Oh, they made you feel like I I wasn't a real comic. Yeah. I wasn't a regular. My name wasn't on the wall yeah. at the comedy store. I wasn't at the improv or laugh factory. I wasn't yeah. a real comic. But yeah, I I do that to the parking lot guy. <laughs> Everybody got shit on somebody. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I hated that feeling, but I also hated the black comedians yeah. who were regulars at the comedy store who would come down to the hood and peacock, you know, parade around with say, hey, you're going up tonight. Who no, would that I, be? Uh, Tyree? <laughs> David Tyree? <laughs> <laughs> they kind of like look like you. No, I got a spot at the store tonight. Finest Henderson? You know, yeah. come down there. You know, they would make you feel like, yeah. like that you wasn't nobody. Yeah. So I wanted to change that feeling. Yeah. And industry wasn't coming to see us. Uh-huh. And I had an agent and manager already. Uh-huh. But I'm like, yo, it's, it's a lot of talented motherfuckers down here. You know, let me let me see what I can do. But it goes back to, it's funny, because I think about that. I think about being a kid. Mm. And I think about my dad, who's a very strict disciplinarian. Drill he's sergeant. The, oh, he's in the service? He was here yeah, 23 years in the military, two oh, tours yeah. of Vietnam. He was, he, oh, was, really? he was strict as fuck, right? Still around? No, he passed away seven years ago. Oh, sorry. But he was, um, he used to always say, be proactive. Yeah. Don't wait to be asked, be told to do something. If you see something need done, go ahead and do it. You say, hang on the floor. Even if you didn't put it there, you know it belonged there. Pick it up and put it where it belonged. <laughs> and and, and I, when, I, when I think about that, hearing that so many yeah. times as a kid, yeah. and then you you bring that to Fat Tuesdays, there was a void. Yeah. Nobody asked me to fat, start Fat Tuesdays. Yeah. No one told me to do it. I was like, man, something needs to be done. Yeah. And I'm going to fucking do it. Yeah. But but I go back, I'm like, wow, that that, that was instilled in me as a kid. Yeah, and you know, it's like, it's so weird to me because Binder does that documentary and he could have had an hour you know, uh, the comedy on, right, on, just right, on Fat Tuesday. Right. It's probably better he didn't because now you got the whole thing. Right, and and that's the thing. People say, well, I, I, saw the, I, caught a, I saw the comedy store documentary on, on Showtime, man. How can they even mention Fat Tuesday? They didn't mention Fat Tuesday. And I was a little offended for a hot second, but I already been putting this together for 10 years. You're like, great. Now, now, for, for, for 10 years now, now, But now you can put it in the press material. It's like, we're going to fill in the gap. Yeah. And I'm glad they didn't tell the story because yeah. we want we need to tell need the story to, our way. I think that's and, true. And the comic store doc was great. I watched it and learned and learned a lot about the comic store watching their doc. But my doc was in place since 2009, 2010. And, 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 and you know, it's a better through line. Your doc is specific. You know, you're like this is basically the history of black comedy in this right. city, right? In right. the 80s and 90s, right. and this is how it happened. Right. This is how because. In your doc, you're able to see the evolution of hip hop, the evolution right. of black presence in black, movies, black, black f- made fashion, black fashion and television. Right, like in, you know, you don't really think about it. All is the same time happening, right? But it all happened at the same time. It's crazy, you know. Clinton was in office, had a surplus of money in this country, yeah. had expendable income. It was it was popping. I like all the uh, the outfits. It's so uh, yeah, good. Outfit. Right, right. The big shit. You <laughs> <laughs> make a whole another wardrobe out of one pair of oh, jeans back then. Man, when Bernie comes on in that. Oh man, that's that. Chicago though. Chicago has a way of airbrushing their faces on their own clothes. <laughs> like what the. <laughs> I, I saw one comedian. I think it's uh, 
Yeah. I think it's Corey Holcomb, one of my favorite comedians, yeah. man. And there's an airbrush of him smacking a chick and the teeth flying out her mouth or something. It's the Chicago comics. They're a special breed. I love them. They are. Uh, but before we get to him, so so how does the negotiation go with Mitzi? You got to talk to Mitzi. She's still got full mind then. I, I had a manager at the time that was friends with Scott Day. Oh, yeah. And who, was, who was, I think, the talent I remember him. Yeah, 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 I remember him. He, he approached... Uh, uh, Rosie Patterson, he approached the comedy store and was like, hey, you know, my client wants to do a night. Yeah. And, and I don't know how much back and forth it was. I just He came and told me, it's like, look, look, uh, you got Tuesday nights. February. And that's 95? 95, February 95. And, and at that point, the store was, because like, I was a doorman there in 87, mm-hmm. and it was huge. Right. But then it like just dropped, man. It did, it just yeah, it dropped. Drop. We so, had another club started. You had comedy on TV now. Comedy became... A little bit saturated, I think. I guess, but like, you know, now it's so hot again, and, you know, who the hell knows why? I mean, it's still pretty saturated. Right. But now, like, people, it's kind of hip. Right. You know, all of a sudden. Right. You know, like, like, vinyl came back, too. You right, know? exactly. Like, like, the 80s comedy thing, if anything, it just became sort of, you started to think, like, Jesus, is who? can anyone do this? Right. And who the fuck are they, all these people? Right, 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 right. You know, and it got tired, is what it got. Yeah, yeah. But not black comedy, because no one was seeing it. Right. All right, so... You didn't have any interaction with Mitzi then. I the- did. No, I, I did not, not. Not after until I started the night, and then we. She had would come in like, Hang. yeah, yeah. She wanted. To, it's funny because once Fat Tuesdays was popping, yeah, I, 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 uh, I ended up getting a TV show. Um, writing on a TV show. Which one? It was called Minor Adjustments. Well, that's one thing you make really clear in the doc, too, is that you know this was a showcase for all of the black comedic, comedic talent right. in the city. Right. And and like all the executives were like, what? Right. And, and it became a thing because like I never thought about that, but that's what everyone thinks about. But at that time, in the 90s, it's like you could walk out with a deal. You know, yeah. there were people sitting there that could change your fucking change life. Change your life. Chris Tucker. Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon. Mike Epps. Mike Epps. Michael Blackson. Yeah. Me. Yeah. You know, I booked American History X because they saw me. You were so good in that, man. I'd forgotten. It was very good. Good role. Many moons ago before I got my teeth fixed. Yeah, but. (laughs) (laughs) Pre-dinner work. I don't think you would have got it if you had your teeth fixed. (laughs) I know, right? I look like a prisoner. I look like I should have been in jail. (laughs) So, okay. So she starts talking to you once you start doing the show. Yeah, and she wanted to. uh, So I moved it to the main room. So you're in the belly room at first. How long were you up there? It must have blown up. You were in the belly room for nine months with that show? It's kind of crazy because it's kind of poetic. We spent like nine months people, in the 80, belly. Yeah, yeah. In the womb. Right. And then gave birth to Well, the that was the room. idea of it, but it was for women. Right. That's what, yeah, that's when the belly room started. Right. The, the, the original idea was for women comics to go uh, up in the belly room and work their sets out. Right. But it strikes me as a long time, you know, to be in that small a room that, that for it to take hold. What made, what made it click so big so quick? You know, after, like, because you, you switched rooms and you were selling out, right? right? So right. what was the event? Did it get some weird press? No, yeah. no, it was it was when we were in the belly room, man. Every week we had to turn people away, right? Okay, yeah. like it, it turned people away because Tupac would come, yeah. Dr. Dre would come, so that's out. No, so come. people hearing that, right? Shit. And there was yeah. no, you know, realized there was no social media back. It was word of mouth. There was no social right, media right. back then. Yeah, yeah. I had no money, no advertising budget yeah, for radio yeah. or TV. Yeah, it was just word of mouth. Right. And so when I switched to the belly room, I mean to the main room, I did it once a month. Every first Tuesday, I call yeah. it Fatter Tuesdays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and 
And it be, oh, and I it, see. And I it, see. And it, okay. It was a success. Right. In the belly room on the other Tuesdays, and every first Tuesday in the main. And people started knowing that. And people, yeah. So, yeah. so now when I did that, I Mitzi wanted to do it every week after the first one. Yeah, because the Mitzi, place was going broke. Right. And I said, Mitzi, I can't do it, Mitzi. I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. It was going broke. I said, Mitzi, you trying you trying to have me do four hundred seats every Tuesday in a club that has no food, high drinks, and no parking, in L.A. on Sunset. That's tough. So I fought her off for like. Six months. And they said, God, I'm just going to move another room, another night on the other Tuesdays. And you can stay up in the belly room on the other Tuesdays. And I thought about it for a minute and said, no, because no one's going to think about which Tuesday it is. Yeah. First, second, third. They're just right. going to come. Right. I said, okay, Mitzi, you know what? I will. I'll take it over every Tuesday in the main room. So I had to increase my staff, increase, um, and, and just expand. And, and the other thing is, Mitzi wanted to... Missy wanted to, after the show, wanted to open it up and turn it into a club for dancing. Yeah. I said, no. <laughs> I said, now, now it's going to attract the wrong element. Because now you got you got comedy club people and you got people who want to shake their ass people. Yeah. And, and, and shake your ass people who are going to come to the comedy show and just going to be rude because they want the comedy show to hurt and be over so yeah. they can shake their ass. Yeah. So I said, no, Missy, I'm not a club promoter. <laughs> not, a, not a shake your ass club promoter. Right. I just want to do stand-up. I don't, I don't want to do any other shit. Now, so what was the deal? She got the drinks and you got the door? Yeah. Yeah. And so you're paying comics? Yes. That's another reason why I really wanted to uh, to do it because, and I was paying comments more than what the other clubs were paying. Sure, I was paying no less than twenty five bucks a spot from twenty five to one hundred and fifty. Yeah. So the so the the, the, the warm up person got twenty five unless I was doing a showcase. Yeah. And then the first, second, third, fourth spot averaged me from thirty to forty or fifty. Yeah. To a hundred dollars, depending on who it was. But you're making good money then. Well, yes, but I'm paying it out. No, I, had, I get I, it. I I get it. I'm not, it's not a judgment, but I mean, oh, it's yeah. like you're doing all right. Well. I'm I'm breaking even or going in the red oh, because yeah. number one I did it with pay the staff too. taxes IRS yeah, 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 yeah. um I had the staff I brought my own hostesses mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. I brought my own security in because yeah. man yo there was guys coming through I didn't there was guys coming through there with knives and guns yeah, yeah. and until we got you know this officers group security yeah. who was searching them the right way what's the name of that guy the big guy oh big shorty was yeah. was, was security but then we had to get some professional cops too. oh yeah. Yeah, because we had to get a metal detector. Oh, really? And they were, we, man, Hennessy bottles. Yeah. You know, they were bringing in their own Hennessy, <laughs> <laughs> their own knives, their own guns. And and the thing about it is, so you had to send guys back to the car with the gun. Yeah, they and, and that's what what happened. They, they were like, yo, you got you can't bring it. You can't bring brass knuckles. Yeah. And and the fucked up thing about it was a blessing at the same time was, I listened to some of my old cassette tapes when yeah. I record my set. Yeah. And I talked a lot of shit. Right. To a lot of gangbangers yeah. that I didn't know was packing. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? Right. And even my security, when we did the documentary, they was like, man, it was a lot of nights we had to save your ass that you don't know about because this guy's ready to fuck you up after right. the show. No, I bet. <laughs> and you're just doing it. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. kid from St. Louis, skinny kid from St. Louis. Yeah. I don't know if I was just dumb, fearless, or dumb. Yeah. So... Well, I mean, you're just doing the job, and right? Like, and everyone's getting a laugh, and they probably got a laugh too. But yeah, there's a fine line between that and like, who the fuck's this kid? Think and and he that, is? yeah, and that's what Shaq and and Snoop used to always say to me, man, you fucking fearless. Yeah, you don't give a fuck who it is, celebrity, gangbanger, you don't care. And I said, man, hey, hey, when I'm on that stage, that's my house. <laughs> yeah, that is my goddamn house. But that that was sort of interesting too. Like that whole Bernie Mac story, I didn't know. And like Bernie Mac is is a great example of a comic that was like. That was all black shit. Yeah. And, and you know, when he broke 
nationally right. on his own show. No white person knew who that guy was. Right. Well, they tried to give Ber- Bernie pilots and stuff, but um, the word was they had trouble understanding him. Well, he had that cadence, a very yeah, unique exactly. cadence. I don't know where it came from. Well, you know what it is? It's funny you say that because I read a, I read a, I did read an article years ago about how um, Chris Rock, um, Earthquake, Bernie yeah. Mac, T.K. Kirkland, uh-huh. and those guys like... Um, 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 ha, 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 um, uh, Kennison? Tim Kennison. Oh, the preachers, yeah. Preachers. They, yeah. they follow... The, they, they, they study preachers. Yeah. And preachers well, they have this cadence. Yeah. yeah, they have this cadence where they like hypnotize you and make you give up your fucking money in church. Yeah. So... Comedians who study that, they have that cadence. Or that, come from it. And, and Obama it's a had culture. that. Yeah, yeah. Obama yeah. had that in his speeches. When he, he, definitely he gets on the road it. and he just fucking hypnotizes you yeah. and you're like, fuck, I'll, I'll vote for you. I or, bet you Bernie grew up with it. Yeah. Yeah, go, black churches. Yeah. And you just get hypnotized and you're laughing or you're giving up your money and yeah. your tithes yeah. or you're giving up some ass because you're a pimp yeah. and, and you're a hoe. So you, you go, when you got that cadence that gift to gab, it's it's magic and Sam Kennison, who like you said, was he a was former a preacher. preacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. he had that cadence. He yeah. had that 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 it's stage the, presence. It's a different one. That's that's the yeah, it's a different one. Angry white Baptist right, preacher. Right, 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 right. It's not as poetic. It doesn't have the same yeah, uh, rhythm. It doesn't have, sing, doesn't yeah. have the Nelly sing songy rap style. <laughs> it has the yeah. yeah. It's another thing. Right. No, I can see that, but I, I like that discussion of bombing about like you know that you know, he was born out of a moment. On Def Jam Live, yeah, of of like the of somebody bombing badly for him, yeah, and it's just that because like he knew, but from upstairs, who was it? Bellamy was talking Bill about Bellamy, yeah. So like he knew that like I'm I'm walking into that, yeah. And, and we were, we were shooting a doc, and Reggie Hudlin, you know, was a great director, yeah. And he's he was asking, he's asking all the questions, and then when he's done, he turns mm. to me and say, "Guy, you got anything else? Did we cover everything?" Uh. And I remember. Bill Bellamy telling that story on a radio station when Bernie Mac had died. Mm. So I said, when we were done, when 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 Reggie was done asking all the questions, I said, "Guy, you got anything?" I said, "Hey, Bill, tell the tell the I ain't scared of you motherfucker stories of Bernie Mac." <laughs> yeah, and he was and Bernie and, and Bill Bellamy was like, "Oh, oh, 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 let me tell you, let me tell you." <laughs> yeah. And he went into that story, man, and it's great. Reggie and Byron Phillips, who are one of co co-executive producers and directors. Like was just like what the fuck, yeah. And so those moments, um, I'm glad we had a director that that listened to. Me. But then you were able to to talk to a bunch of other dudes that had watched it. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. And, yeah. And it was like yeah the, the, the way the way that the way the team edited I and put it together was just was just magic. And all these black comics who were watching it when they were kids. Jay Farrow. Yeah. Boy, they were like they remember. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I remember that bit very clear, man. And 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 it's funny because uh, Bernie Mac was on that. That Def Comedy Jam tour that you, too. Uh, you hosted, that Joe yeah. was on. No, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, oh, oh. Well, well, he was on before. the Def Jam tour yeah. before me. Yeah. So him, he and Kid Capri yeah. had already developed. You know, the oh, the, kick the it part, bit, right? There. Oh, that the, part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, was yeah. already. But the the the, the Iron Skinny motherfuckers part was 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 fresh. Yeah. Was improv. Yeah. But the kick it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was like so that that's that just was mastered. Inspired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that happened that night. Yeah. That's I love it, but. Who was on, like, who were the regulars? Because you have a lot of the people in there, and I don't know all their names, that you talk to in the show, not just the, you know, the the managers and the agents mm-hmm. and the hostesses, but the comics that were regulars. Right. What were most, what, who were some of them? Because I, like, I had no idea, really, about Chris Tucker's early act. And yeah. he was weird, man. Yeah. And, like, you know, like, he is weird, you yeah. know, as a performer. Yeah. But, like, I... I in a good way. I, oh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, and he's a nice guy. I saw, yeah, I, super I, nice yeah, guy. I saw him down in Atlanta a few years ago. I was working down there. But uh, 
But like it was a very quirky kind right. of thing. There's a lot of cats right. that were like, high quirky. energy, yeah, yeah, high pitched voice, yeah. animation, yeah, you know. And that that story about him getting the third, uh, what was that movie called? Uh, the, fifth Element. The Fifth Element over Tommy. Over me. Over you. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. He got Fifth Element over me. I got American Sir X over Tommy. Oh, okay, that's yeah. how it worked. Yeah. But uh, but who were the regulars from the beginning? Man, Chris Tucker. Yeah. Uh, Cedric the Entertainer. Yeah. Uh, Melanie Camacho. Yeah. Um, uh, Mike Epps. Oh, yeah, Luelle, I didn't know her. Lunell. Lunell, yeah. Yeah, Lunell would come when she, whenever she would come to town because she was in Oakland. Yeah. I'd put her up. Yeah. I mean, those are some of the regulars who did it on a continual basis. Yeah. And Cat Williams. Oh, yeah. You know, they would drop by and, and come by. There's a Nick Cannon was a kid, Nick right? Nick Cannon was 15, 16, man. Did, so did he he would go on at that? He would, yeah, he he was, he was you know, I met him in, in San Diego and he was rapping and I invited him up to rap. Yeah. You know, to yeah. open up the show, and yeah. then he got bit by the comedy bug, and then, bow, he just yeah, yeah, took yeah, off yeah. from there. And this was like, and also, you know, it goes, you know, into in the doc that there was always sort of women around doing the shows, like oh, you yeah. know, it wasn't it wasn't you know, a lot, unfortunately. But yeah. I know uh, Monique would come by yeah, and do it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Leslie Jones, uh -huh. she was a regular. I didn't know up she there. had been at it that long. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it's really wild to see her yeah. in that form. Yeah. Because I interviewed her before she got SNL, and she was, you know, the intensity of that person. Man. Wow. I remember talking to Leslie yeah. Jones, and she was going to quit comedy. Yeah. It's before she went to New York. Yeah. And she was like, God, I'm just not, it's just not working for me. Uh, I'm not get booking any gigs, like, as far as the acting gigs and stuff like that. And I, was, I remember I was, I lived in Hollywood Hills at the time. And I was cleaning up my garage, and I was like, "Leslie, you're funny. Yeah, you're 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 you're, you're going to make it. Just stick to it. Just yeah. trust the process." Right. And she's like, "Fuck this shit." And da da da. And then one of her last performances in L.A. before she moved to New York was at Fat Tuesdays. I yeah. have the recording. And she talks about it. I'm about to move to New York, and then she moved to New York, and then, blah, you know, yeah, she just started, you know, working more, and you make more money in in. New York doing stand up than you do in L.A. Yeah, so she was able to survive. Yeah, I remember talking to Mike Epps one time. Yeah, Mike Epps was up, upset. He had, he, I saw him at this this uh, club. It wasn't even a comedy club. Yeah, and he was like, "Yo, man, fuck this shit, Hollywood shit, man. Yeah. I ain't booking no movie roles, no right. TV roles out yeah. here, man. Fuck this shit." I said, "Mike, you funny. Just trust the process." I said, "Fuck that, man." I said, "How long you been out here?" He's like three months. I said, "Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You know, three you you, you yeah. after three months, but then about six to seven months." Months later, we were up for the same role in uh, next Friday. Yeah, and and I think it came down to him and I, and Ice Cube and saw him at Fat Tuesday. Oh yeah, and Ice Cube liked him, and and the director liked him, and the, the president of the studios, New Line Cinema, liked me, and the director liked me. Yeah, and it, I think it came down to Cube, and he got it. And I, and he killed it. Yeah. And I was so happy for him. Like I told you, what were you just talking? You were just bitching six, seven months ago. Yeah, yeah. Now look at you, man. Even though he beat me out, yeah. I didn't care. It was I, meant for him. Yeah, Ice Cube seems like an intense guy. Yeah, he pretty cool, yeah. real cool. He's, yeah, yeah. He, he's, no, no, he seems like a. Yeah, he's intense though. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, <laughs> Did he come to the show a lot? A lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cube used to come, man. Yeah. All those guys, Snoop was there on a regular. Yeah. You know. That, I tell you, in the dock, like watching him and Tiffany together, they should do a fucking show. That's what everybody's been saying. <laughs> and 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 uh He gets such a kick out of it. That was a Reggie Hudlin thing. Oh yeah. Reggie Hudlin, like, I want to pair people up. And he paired 
Snoop. Because Tiffany is too young for any of this shit. She know? was trying to sneak in, yeah. yeah she was yeah. trying to sneak in back then. Yeah. But, you know, and trying to get on stage, but she just wasn't ready. But she ready now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she ready. But he gets such a kick out of her. It's kind of, yeah. it's real sweet. That whole, that whole interview, yeah. Snoop was smoking. Yeah. And oh, I yeah. don't smoke. Yeah. I smoke cigars. Yeah. And I was high from the contact. Just the whole, there. The, whole the, the whole crew. <laughs> we shot at his place. It's his compound. Yeah. Yeah. His compound. People don't even have houses anymore. He, man. <laughs> he got a house and a compound. But, but that's so smart. Yeah. To have a compound where everything's so self-contained. So it's not his house. No, it's not his house. Oh, okay. His, his compound is where, this is recording studio. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, he can shoot videos there. Yeah, he can have. He has private comedy shows there. Yeah, he has. You know, she can sleep there if he needs to. Oh, yeah, but he has one. Nelly has one in St. Louis. Uh huh. They do all. It's so smart. Yeah. Too short. Has one you downtown don't LA. Rent, no, you have to rent a studio. You, you have to, to rent, rent a nothing. studio. You got your, You got everything. You, you you go to some area where yeah. they're giving away basically giving away warehouses. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. Build your own shit. Yeah. And you 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 and you can rent it out to other people, and you sure. can make money off of it. Sure, yeah, yeah. It's smart. If, and, and we recorded and it's, at and, Snoop's comp, and it's a club. Yeah, yeah. Like Snoop got a casino in his. Wait, well, you don't. Maybe we shouldn't tell everybody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna tell them where it is, but it's smart. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So you do this. And everyone's getting This is breaks. your compound. It is. My little compound. Yeah. yeah. We ain't going to tell you where it is, people, but I mean, this is the compound. Is. It's, it's, not, studio. it's not hard to find anybody right. anymore. <laughs> two, right. two minutes on the internet. Yeah. You're like, I got Google a picture Matt. of Snoop's compound right now from right. the air. Right. <laughs> and he's taking a dump. I can see him <laughs> on the he's toilet. right there. God damn. And he's smoking. Right. He's smoking and shitting at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so... So uh, so you do this, and everyone's getting breaks. You're getting breaks. You're doing movies, a lot of movies, a lot yeah. of TV shows. Yeah. And the tension with your brother's growing. Gr- yeah. That's when it happened, right? Yeah. When you, when you I, blew up? I think up. it started, I think it, I, I, I think it, I f- start feeling it when I moved out. Because when I first moved here, I lived with him for the first four years. Yeah. And after a while, I was That's like- That's a long time. Yeah, I was like, two grown-ass men don't need to live together. Yeah. You know, unless they fucking. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> unless they're a couple. Yeah. And we brothers. Yeah. And, and, and we like tacos. Yeah. But, um, so I was, I just wanted my own space. Yeah. I wanted my own place to decorate it my own yeah. way. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to be my own man. Yeah. And I think he liked having that control. Right. So when I moved out, I think that's when the tension started because I was like, and it made me work harder. I said, I need the burden of having to pay bills. Right. Rent. Yeah. So that's going to make me work harder. Yeah. And so I needed that. And yeah. I, I think that's when the tension started. And then when I started working, I think the tension got even, yeah. you know, yeah. more. And it's weird. Sometimes like with that kind of tension, even when it's family, you just can't, you can't get, can't let it go. Yeah, and yes, I and, and I'm a, I'm being honest with you. I'm a grudge holder. Yeah, I'm still mad at the doctor who slapped me in the ass when I was born. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I hold grudges. And but 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 part of the grudge holding is part of my therapy. Yeah. Meaning that's my wall. Yeah, that's my way of keeping you from fucking me over again. Yeah. So I put this. I hold the grudge. As long as I mad, long as I'm mad at you, can't fuck me over. Do you have a lot of people? Grudges? Oh, oh my, man, let me tell you something. My nickname is Fallout Guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I fall out with everybody. Oh, really? But only if I feel like you're, 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 you're coming for me or if you're, 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 you're stabbing me in the back yeah. or you have a hidden agenda. Right. I, there's some people That's I, reasonable. Yeah, it's like it's like yo, don't don't because because I'm. But I'm the a, problem is you don't you can't know most of those things. You can only assume them, and then you know, and then, then, then rears ugly head. Right. Like I give people too many chances sometimes, and then when I find out, I'm like, okay, and I may we may be friends again. Yeah. But it'd never same. be the same. Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. If, if if we if we come to fisticuffs. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, Does that that's happening. Oh yeah, yeah. I I punch a lot of my friends in the mouth. <laughs>
How many are still your friends? Oh, man. Few? Some of them are still my friends. We, yeah. we, we made up and yeah. stuff, but it's not the same. It's just, once you go to Fisticuffs, it's just never the same. Of course. Right. But like, uh, so who are you, the guys, the comics that you're still friends with? Now all of them. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool with basically every comic, and I'm just a fan of comedy. I may yeah. not like. How's Cedric doing? Cedric's great. Yeah, every yeah. time I called Cedric, he answers the phone. Meaning yeah. that when I was putting this, when I was putting this sizzle together, yeah, and I was putting it together before I went. I, when I was underground, he's St. Louis guy, right? Yeah, St. Louis yeah. guy, and he came and did an interview for me. We went to him to one of his sets and did an interview. When I got with Gramner, Kelsey Gramner Company, and we need to reshoot a sizzle and yeah. update it. Yeah, I called. He answered the phone. He's a great guy. You know, and he's then and then when yeah. the documentary came, he was just like, so he's always just been like, man, I got you. But your doc made me like Steve Harvey more. <laughs> I love Steve. <laughs> Steve, Steve, Steve always, man. Steve, you should let me. I think people forget how funny he was. I mean, he was. He's funny. still funny. He's, he's still, still funny. pretty funny. He's, he's just and in those interviews, he's great. Yeah, yeah. He, oh man, he's, he's such a great storyteller too. And Ari Spears too. The two of them talking yeah. about when a black audience starts yeah. oh, to turn. Yeah. Oh yeah, the, the stages of like uh uh-uh. uh yeah the, the movement yeah yeah funny. the shift in the chair yeah yeah to look funny. back black audiences are tough bro I know. That, that, that's why I respect I Roseanne Barr uh, stand up when she went back and did the Apollo years ago yeah because she said black audiences are honest they're gonna let totally. you know if you're funny Dude, or not. even now like I just noticed it lately I'm like yeah black people are laughing more at me I must be doing something right right man because you know what like I said we need to laugh the most. Uh-huh. And it's like, you know, like I always say this, and I say it in the doc, but it wasn't the full, it wasn't the full uh, statement. But white people come to laugh. Mm. Black people come not to laugh. Mm-hmm. A white people person to tell you on stage, before you go on stage, yeah. hey, have a good show, break a leg. Yeah, yeah. Brother, brother, be, you better be funny, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah, brought these tickets. I didn't brought my girl out, man. You better be funny, motherfucker. I don't need that pressure. Yeah, yeah. But it's but it makes you a stronger, better comic. And also, like the the idea that it, there it's more honest or whatever. It seems yeah. like there's two ways to go. That the black audience likes if you can give them shit and do right. it with fearlessly. Right. They love that. Right. They like that. Right. Or they like honest shit. Right. But like busting balls is not necessarily honest shit. Right. It's right. just old school. Right. It's old school. Right. But, and on the other side, that the honest shit or the or the busting right. balls. Yeah, they respect you if you come at them, you know, come back at them. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Not, so it's, yeah. it's 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 respected because growing up in black neighborhoods or being on the school bus going yeah. in the morning, that's what we played a dozens all the fucking time. Right. Yeah. That's it's what it a, comes from. Yeah, I know. And you can do, you know, and people like hearing that the same joke every once in a while. Man, they do. It, when you get, <laughs> man, it's these, it's a couple of jokes I've been trying to get out of my act. Yeah. And when I don't do them, people get mad. Oh, really? And like, you didn't do the abs and back joke. I was like, I'm trying to retire that joke. Yeah. And they're like, I brought, you know, oh, right, my girlfriend right, right. up here yeah, so yeah, she can yeah, see that yeah, bit. Yeah. I'm like, well, they, they have that one footage of them, go, you know, singing along to Bebe's kids. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. With Robin. Yeah. Like he do it every week. Yeah. And they when you do... get a when you get a great catchphrase. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. When you People get a great one, man. Yeah, yeah. But you can't ride it too long. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember Chris Rock uh, telling me one time he hosted. Def Jam one time when they did All Star Def Jam Celebrity Host. Mm. He hosted one time. There's a comedian named Shucky Ducky that went on. Yeah, I remember that. Guy. And Shucky Ducky killed with this Shucky Ducky quack quack. First season he did, yeah. bam. He came back the next season, and people weren't feeling it. Yeah. And and he died. And, he, and I was literally backstage with Chris Rock because I was a punch up writer. Yeah. Uh, on the show that season, and and Chris Rock says, "Guy, I'm gonna teach you something. Yeah. Never get a hook. Yeah. Cause when your hook go." 
you go. <laughs> Chris has always got the wisdom. Man, that motherfucker is 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 Yoda. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he and Chappelle is Yoda's. He does thinking. He does the thinking. Yeah, man. Yeah, putting it into perspective. But the bombing thing, like you, you got that footage. Who was that? Jimmy Woodard. In that, it, yeah, it was a cute few comments. Yeah, in that in that particular one. Yeah, but you got something against that guy? Because no, you, you let that go on for a while. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, he's wearing that jacket. Here's, here's the thing about stand up. Yeah, I never root for any comic to bomb, yeah. even if I don't like you. But when, I never want to see you bomb. Yeah. But when it happens, it's funny as fuck. Yeah, to comics. Yeah. Oh my god, it's yeah. funny. <laughs> I mean, when when I've been in that position, man, when you're on stage bombing. And and the audience is looking at you like you yeah. took your dick out in church. And, you do, and sometimes you don't even know why, but you know what it is. Even watching that thing, I mean, I haven't seen Jimmy Ward. Is he still alive? I don't know. Yeah. But that's him, right? Yeah. With that jacket on. Yeah. What was that, on Def Jam or was just on I stage? I think that was a special. It looked like it was a special at the Comic Theater or something. I don't know. But, like, he's eating it, you know? Yeah. And But, you know, <laughs> as a comic... <laughs> But as a comic, like I can hear why. You know, when you're up there, you don't always know why, but you you leave your body. It's you, over. What? Yeah. Yes. And and it's like you it's just out of body experience. Yeah, because you know you just give up, and they hear it in your voice. Right. You can't get behind your, your confidence. Shit. It's in the eyes. It's, it's over. in your body language. Yeah, and it's like you said, it's like your spirit is outside your yeah. body, yeah, looking yeah, at like, you and saying, "Like, what the oh, fuck are you doing?" Yeah. Oh, Tim. And, and your can, mouth gets dry. You get uh, cotton mouth. You get the sweat. The, oh, the yeah. sweat. <laughs> you t- your booty hole tighten up. Yo, man, it's Obama is the yo. Because <laughs> you, you're trying I'm, to hold it together, so then the sweat comes. I hate that fucking sweat. Hey, let me tell you something. Feel on the back of your neck. You're like, oh, man. I bombed so bad one time yeah. in Vegas at yeah. the Riviera. Yeah. One of those midday shows at 2 o'clock no, in the afternoon. No, no, no. I bombed so bad, yeah. and it was an audience full of white people. Yeah. I bombed so bad, I, I, I couldn't think of any, I couldn't think of none of my jokes. Like, all your jokes... Leave oh, you. They that, betray after, you. After the first few, few ones die, you're like, what, they, what, are you, what am I going to... They betray you, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, So then I was like... They don't have nothing to do with in it. In a room full of white people. Yeah. I am ashamed to say this, but I'm going to say it because that's how bad bombing is. In a yeah. room, room full of white people, I couldn't think of anything to say. I said, well, let's talk about something. What's going on in the world? Do something. I'll call me a nigga. Do something. I'm like... <laughs> and, my, and my boy who was there was like, did you just tell a room full of white people to call you a nigga? Also, how bad I was fucking bombing. I wanted something to spark. You know, you look for anything to spark. Make me, make me hate you. Yeah, me, yeah. yeah. Let me do an angry set I'm, after yeah, that. I'm tired of hating me Dude, right now. I was on the road with this comedian one time doing this creative tour. Who? Back in the 95. His name was uh, Sean. What was Sean? Sean Miller. Uh-huh. Sean Miller. And it was this creative run. You do two weeks and you do these rooms. You have to. It's I fuck, remember it's, those, yeah. It's fucked up because the feature who gets paid the less is responsible for renting the car yeah. and getting the headliner. Yeah, you got to drive you around. Gig. It's a two yeah. man show. Yes. Half hour 45. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's so stupid. So we have been on the road for a week and a half already. Yeah. Now we're in Atlanta. Yeah. Right. And yeah. we're at this club that's a community named Bruce Bruce used to host. I know right? Bruce Bruce, yeah. Bruce Bruce hosts this club and it was in the hood hood. Like, yeah, yeah. like hood hood. Yeah. Like they check for guns at the door. Yeah. Like if you didn't have one, they would can you one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how the fucking club was, yeah. and it was a tough, worse than Apollo. Yeah, I mean, tough, tough room. Yeah. So Sean's on stage, and I know his routine because we've been on the road for a week and a half. I've heard it for a week and a half. Yeah. And I know his his opener, his middle, yeah. his closer. I know he's supposed to do thirty minutes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, and uh, he goes on stage, and the audience is. Not have they're not they they're 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 dead silent. So I see him shifting his set around. You know you yeah. know you throw that first yeah. joke yeah. out there. Put don't that hit. closer first. So you go to that, you go to that closer <laughs> to get him. And I see him shifting his shit around. Yeah. He's supposed to do thirty minutes. Yeah. His name is Sean Miller. Mm. This motherfucker did like twelve minutes. <laughs> 
and goes, hey, my name is Larry Johnson. Good night. <laughs> Didn't even say his real name. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, shit, I'm next. Yeah. So now I'm on stage, and I'm, I am I had some real cerebral jokes. Yeah. I know this was not the crowd for some cerebral shit. Yeah. You yeah. just want to hit him in the mouth right. and get the fuck off stage. Right. So I went on stage, and I did all my low-hanging fruit jokes. Yeah. And I got him dying. Yeah. And now about, you know, maybe... Supposed to do 45 minutes, about 15, 20 minutes in, my auto low hanging fruit jokes. Yeah, yeah. I'm on, like, fuck, I'm not trying to go to cerebral shit because yeah. they're going to think I'm trying to be too smart for them, right? Yeah. So I, 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 I go, I look in a certain direction. Yeah. I go, who mama? And I just reeled off like five or six minutes of straight mama jokes. Yeah. And then I get out and say, good night. And one of my boys was just like, man, nobody said anything about your mama? I said, I know. <laughs> I said I was, out of, I was out of fucking material, and I just had to do a Gatlin gun of fucking mama jokes back to back, and not let the audience breathe and say goodnight. Yeah. So I ended up only doing thirty minutes total instead of forty five. Right? So I got off stage, and the owner and the owner was like, "Man, you you was killing them. Why'd you get off stage?" I said, "Oh well, Bruce said that man they party afterwards, and you know only do thirty minutes and cool." And I, but I was like, I was I was done. <laughs> I'm like, fuck this. I'm not. This is not. I'm on, this was ninety five. Yeah. I'd only been doing comedy. What three years? Didn't want to take the chance with man, the cerebral jokes. Man, fuck that. No, <laughs> no, no. You had to survive. I had to survive, man. <laughs> didn't nobody say anything about my mama. I didn't look at a certain person. I just looked in a direction <laughs> and made up. I made up a heckle. <laughs> had an imaginary heckler. Didn't matter. Didn't, didn't matter. Yeah. I got out of there alive That's with my good. dignity and my pride. That's good. Larry didn't. No, no, Larry didn't. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Is this thing on? <laughs> <laughs> it is fun. it's not good but it's fun watching people bomb oh yeah oh my god it's so much fun cause you just like you can you, cause if you're watching you've been doing it a long time so right. me too right and when you see it start you're like yeah oh, it, it, right when it happens you're like oh here we go here we it's go not, it's not gonna be able to it's, it's like it's like it's you, like you hear the confidence to go yeah, out yeah, yeah. <laughs> you sh- yeah 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 the, the comedian starts to shrink you know, like Fred Flintstone yeah yeah, yeah he used yeah, to yeah, fucking yeah. shrink right right he got embarrassed yeah, yeah. that's like you just start shrinking yeah. on stage and uh, now now your jokes flee you your, your jokes betray you. Now you looking for jokes. You're picking up the mic stands. I had a joke under here somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is there a and joke under they, your drink, man? Right, right. And then you're like, so where, what's your name? Where are yeah. you from? Right, right. What do you do for a living? Yeah. Uh, but black black comedian was like, man, get up for all the beautiful black women in here. Give it up. A, you, you, you're trying to get anything to grasp to keep you from, from dying the death of a thousand yeah, dogs. Yeah. Well, black people got to struggle. Yeah. <laughs> like like got, me right now. Like, yeah, yeah, right. You're trying to rally the yeah, troops yeah, to get yeah. any type of, of sound. Well, yeah, but just that look of like, uh uh-uh, that yeah. disappointment, like, uh, yeah. not, not going to help yeah. you. Yeah, it's, 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 hey, that's why, too, though, at Fat Tuesdays, yeah. I made sure I put the lineup. The lineup was important. Not just putting any comic on stage, yeah. but putting the right lineup together. I had taught um, a friend of mine that moved out to St. Louis how to book how to book the room. Yeah, who's that? Uh, Terrence Reynolds. Right, and he wasn't a stand up, but he moved out here. And I and what we did was we put all the comics' name on a page, right? Every yeah. comic we can think of. Yeah, that was in L.A. Yeah. and ones that came to L.A. Yeah. frequently, and then we put numbers by them, one through four. Right, and one being opener, Always. Oh, second. Oh, oh. You know, oh, okay. who's a good third and yeah. who's a good closer. 
Was it four or five people on the show? I put four to five. Yeah. We had fives were like people like your Cedrics. Yeah. Your you know your Chappelle if he dropped in yeah. Chris Rock those were special people. Yeah. My brother those were special comics. Yeah. You know Bill Bellamy. Yeah. You know but but one through four was a, who's a good opener. Right. Who's a good second. Right. Who's a good third. Yeah. Good middler and who's a good closer. Yeah. Yeah. So what we did was but everyone's we, doing the same time. No. Mm. No. Some are doing seven minutes. Okay. Some are doing. 10 or the 12. Big sets 20? Huh? Big sets 20. Yeah. Yes. Or, or if it's somebody like an earthquake who knew, who wanted 30, will earthquake do 30? So so earthquake, he was another one who was a frequent great, one. He's great. Cat man. Williams would do, you know, 25. Whatever. Kevin, Kevin Hart would drop through. He was a regular. So what we did was we numbered them. And what I did was I made combinations. Yeah. So you can't have four ones on the show. Right. <laughs> you can't have a one and three twos on the show. Yeah. You can have a one, a three, and a four, and maybe or maybe two ones, or maybe two twos, a right. three, and a four. Yeah. So those combinations would work for almost a foolproof line. What, what if lineup. you don't got a four? Huh? What if there's no four in town? There's usually a four because it's L.A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you had you had some fours. Right, o- right. Otherwise, you put two threes. Right, right. You know. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. And and then, and then I also put that rating as far as their energy. Like, say for instance, you don't want uh, uh, Aerie Spears and a Pablo Francisco on the same show. They both do impressions. Right. You don't want two guys who do impressions want, it, on the exhaust same. Exhaust the people. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you don't want somebody who's who uh, who does who does too much political stuff. You want to mix the lineup up. So I put that formula together so I can give it to. You know, my guy who was booking it, so you can book a show. Now, every once in a while, somebody's going to bomb. Yeah. No matter what. Of course. But at least you have a show yeah. where you have a whole show that at least, at least three out of the four are funny. Yeah. All four are not going to bomb. All three of them, the chance of yeah. of all everybody bombing yeah. is, 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 is not going to happen. And I thought it was kind of wild. Like, did you have that Saget shit in the bag before he died? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Cause yeah. like that was like that was kind of great that he was like the, that whole moment of him yeah. showing up the one, the white guy. Yeah, we had a little bit of a, a little section of the two or three white guys. Right, that right. Were doing. One guy I didn't even wreck. I didn't know who that guy was. It was oh, we had we had Uncle Bob Saget. Yeah. Uh, oh, Honest John. Yeah, Honest John, man. It was, it was Honest John was fearless. Yeah, well, clearly he was fearless. He would go up in front of, it, when, when the first time Tupac and Shook came to Fat Tuesdays. Yeah, it was in the belly room, and that's yeah. a small ass room. Yeah, and before. Tupac and Sugar and them came, a lot of comics wanted to go up, right? When Death Row showed up, a lot of those black comics got scared and didn't want to go up. Oh, really? Honest John was one of the few uh-huh. that was like, oh, shit, I'll go up. He's a white dude, though. Yeah. Yeah. And old. Yeah. And, you know, John been that same age his whole fucking life. He yeah. been 90 his whole life. What happened life. to that guy? He's still around, still uh-huh. doing stand-up, still uh-huh. working. Still doing good but he was so, like, but, he's not afraid of Suge? He's going to go up? No, he, wasn't, he didn't give a fuck? Yeah. Uh, Billy Gardell's another one. Oh yeah, yeah. Who Chicago, I wanted, I wanted Chicago, him in the dock. Right? Yeah. yeah, I wanted him in the dock. He's uh from Pittsburgh, but he did he did stand up in Chicago. Right. But he he's from Pittsburgh. Right. Um, we have a lot of pirates. I'm a St. Louis Cardinal fan. Yeah. Baseball. So we go back and forth when they play each other. Gardell. But he played? was another one. Oh, he. I met him it? up in Aspen. Yeah. At the comedy festival yeah. in '97, and I said, "Man, you're pretty fucking funny, man. I have a night in L.A. You ever you ever come to L.A. You know, come play my night at the comedy store. It's called Fat Tuesdays." And then when he would come, he'd call me, hey, guy, I'm in town, man. You got a spot for me? I got him. So when I interviewed him for the sizzle, yeah. you know, and, and I, I really wish I could have got him in this, in, in the doc, doc. Oh, yeah. But he goes, man, when you told me that, I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. Because he said, so many comments have told me that I get to L.A. and then I return my call. So you're the only one who would pick up the phone and, 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 and give me a spot. And he said, what you paid me was just enough to put some gas in my car, buy me a beer, and some food in my belly, and I appreciated that. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Because you, you just, I just never knew how I was, how that night was affecting people's well, lives. Well, I mean, but how many white people could play it? He he did it and did well. Yeah. Um, 
Dice kind of did it one time, and then the second time he kind of ate it. Yeah. Polly would come in there and do it. Yeah. Um, as uh, Gary Owen yeah. would come and do strong there. Yeah. Uh, would, would do really well there. And uh, Bob Saget, those are the ones. I who, just love the Saget thing because it was it was before anyone knew his stand-up. Right. So uh, all these black people were like, oh, okay. Yeah. So what do we... <laughs> yeah. They looked at him like, okay. <laughs> But they gave him the benefit of the doubt because they were so surprised. Right. Like, right. Why, why is this guy here? Right, right, and he right, just, right. And then he just does that right. shit. Right. And they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> now, now, now black people say, that's my man. Yeah, right. They don't know the name. That's my man. <laughs> that was funny. When they don't know your name, you're the, that's my man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah someone I, I, in New York. I was walking down the street, and some black dude's walking the other way. He looks at me and goes, you look like Mark Maron. And I go, I am Mark Maron. He goes, motherfucker. <laughs> We're so expensive. We're so, so expensive. And I said, I was so talking about it. I said, like, I could use that once a day. Yeah, once a day, someone could do that. Motherfucker. <laughs> so when you, when you quit it, it just felt like it was done? 2005? You know what? There's a there's a couple of things that made me stop, you know, and I say it in the doc. I was married. I, I was recently married. That's yeah. a job, full-time yeah. fucking job. Uh, I was doing radio in St. Louis from L.A. And wait, wait, when did you do the tour with the original Kings? Kings County was 98. Okay. Oh, so that was in the middle of it. Yeah, 98. And, and you were hosting that. They picked you. you. It was Steve Harvey, Bernie. And Cedric. And Cedric. Yeah. And you were the MC. Right. I was more like the prince of the Kings of Comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 I was five years in the game. Those guys are already seasoned. Sure, but how long did you, how many of those shows did you do? 52 of them. Oh, so a whole yeah, we did year. A, I did, we did, I did a year of it. Huh, that's yeah. great. And I left, announcing on BT's, uh, with Tavis Smiley, BT Tonight. Yeah. I announced I'm leaving because I wanted to become a, a comedian. I was a comic. Yeah. And it's a difference between a comic and a comedian. Right. Comic says funny things, a comedian makes things funny. Yeah. And I saw these guys go out there every night and 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 just tear these audiences up. And I heard these jokes every night, but I laughed every time because you brought into the story, you brought into the energy. Yeah. You know, and I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be that type of comedian. Yeah. So I left and also ended up getting a TV show that was paying me 10 times as more the tour. You left the tour, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. did a show on UPN called The Strip, playing yeah. a Vegas uh, police officer. I mean, well, detective, private how long detective. Is, how many episodes did you? We did nine fucking episodes until. Our executive producer, Joel Silver, uh, cussed out the head of the network. <laughs> yeah, and that was that. <laughs> but it was a good show. So when he, when he ended Fat Tuesday, uh, you just had other responsibilities. You didn't think. Yeah, I just but got you didn't busy. want to pass it down. And, but, huh? You didn't want to pass it I did. It. I did pass it down. Oh, you did? What right. happened was when I ended it, uh, another guy came in. Two other guys wanted to come in and take it over, and they yeah. met with the comedy store. Yeah, and the comedy store said, "No, if guy's not involved, right? We don't have any, we, 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 we're not going to do it." Yeah. So the two guys called me and tried to wrangle me back in. And said, yeah. "Hey, man, uh, this comedy store's not going to do it without your involvement." Yeah, yeah. And I said, "Dude, I'm done. I yeah. got too much responsibility." But I said, "I know how important this room is to black comics." So I said, I'll "Tell you what, I'll call them and tell them I am involved, but I'm not going to be involved." Yeah. So I lied. Yeah. Because I needed, I, 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 black comics needed that room. But I think, but also what you pointed out in the it doc became is tripping that, on Tuesdays after that. Tripping on Tuesdays, yeah. yeah. But but what you pointed out in the doc that because of Fat Tuesdays, you know, it became a thing across the country. Yeah, in clubs, there was a black right. night, right? You know, in all the big cities, right? Black well, at clubs. first, the clubs teased the comedy store for having nigger night, what yeah. they called it. Yeah, and then um, once they saw how much money it was making, 
Yeah. Then the improv yeah. started the I remember. Urban Nights was on that Mondays. D-Ray? Way before D-Ray. Oh. This guy named Zoo Man. Yeah. It's Corey Zoo Miller, who's yeah. actually on tour with Cat Williams right now. Yeah. But they started over at on Monday nights at the improv. Yeah. And then Pookie Whit- uh, uh, Whittington came from the East Coast and wanted to start. He, he, we wanted to interview him, too. We didn't get around to it. But he said he came to L.A. and wanted to do a comedy night. Yeah. So he was asking the people who got the hottest black night. Yeah. And they say everybody was telling Fat Tuesdays, Fat Tuesdays. So he came and he studied it. He said, I mean, I studied Fat Tuesdays from how you ran it yeah. to the lineup to the energy. And then he went to Laugh Factory. And he had he called Chris Spencer and, and to host the room. Yeah. And that's how Chocolate Sundays got yeah. started. I've seen Spencer in a lot of docs lately. Yeah, I know, right? He's in the Cosby <laughs> doc. He's in, you know, the Fat Tuesday pro- doc. Pro- Professor Spencer's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he's a very, very smart. Great guy. Uh, great, great guy and yeah. smart. Comedically, Love he's funny. Guy. He's funny. He's very funny. So and, and so since then, so after 2005, you just what you did the family thing, you did the radio thing. And still on did... the tour, I was still on the road doing my own stand up yeah, yeah, shows. Yeah. I was yeah. still acting. Yeah. So I was I was just being pulled in every different direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know, but I was a little heartbroken too. Yeah. Because there was there there was um, um, Paulie Shore had a had a show called Mining the Store. Yeah. And. I was a little heartbroken when they showed the marquee yeah. and they blurred out Guy Tory and put Fat Tuesdays oh, yeah, yeah, and said yeah, that yeah. it was a gimmick night. Uh, and I was a little heartbroken. Oh. And I was like, a gimmick night? It's a decade. I was like, and I, I, I was hurt. I ain't gonna lie. I was yeah. hurt. And I said, you know what? I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I but no they respect. reached back out and, uh, you know, but 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 it... it you know, it was what it was. And you know what was interesting, I'm though? forever grateful to the comedy store. Sure. I mean, I mean, you know, the comedy store is a weird place, and there's nothing like it. There's and, nothing like it. That's what makes a, it good the greatest. And, good and evil all happens in Man. there every night. Before it was a comedy store, when it was Cyril's, yeah, a lot of some, evil. Yeah, I heard. I mean, what, you got the, the rumors, ghost stories? Yeah, the yeah. ghost stories. The, yeah, that place carrying a lot of shit. That Man, place. what? Yeah. I, before I did the documentary, <laughs> every day... Yeah. I would sage the place. Oh, <laughs> I, I swear, because I want a good energy for the documentary, man, for Fat Tuesdays. And I go, every morning before production, I would walk through every room and sage it, sage the whole it's place. It's so funny because like, I was deep in the evil of that place you know, in, in my brain when I was on coke uh-huh. back when I was a kid. And like, it, it feels better. It feels okay in there right now. Yeah, it does. Because I sage <laughs> every fucking day for a month. I was well, in a fucking you know, sage in that place, man. Well, somebody like, you know, I think when Peter took control of the thing and got real managers in there, real yeah, security, yeah, and they started did, you know, great job, fixed Peter. the bathrooms great and shit. Great job he did. Yeah, you man. Know, it's like all of a sudden it's like, well, it's like, but honoring the place. You know, but it feels like, you know, the negative ghost they left. See, and that's I don't know I, why, th- th- but it's good. Th- it's good energy. It's better energy now. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why it's, it's hot again. People don't understand how important energy is. It's true. In a, in a space. Yeah. That whole, the ending where, you know, all those people from Fat Tuesdays who wanted representation on that wall. Right. And you did a little presentation, yeah. the big reveal, you know, that that, that Peter uh, signed off on it. And he did, man. And, and, and he was he was respectful to the, the, the process. He was yeah. respectful to the legend, the legend of the wall, but yeah. also respectful to... Um, Fat Tuesdays being important to the comedy store, right. and those comedians being important to Fat Tuesday, right? And 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 putting those names on the wall because some of those guys, you know, earned it. Sure, you know, they yeah. earned it before, yeah. like 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 D. Militant, yeah, who passed away since you know I hate they didn't get a chance to see the doc, yeah, but he passed away, and he was passed as a regular, but Mitzi wanted him to change his name to Whoopsie Willie, yeah, and he was like no. 
and his name never got on the wall. Uh-huh. And he was someone that should have been on that wall a long time ago. Right. And the thing about it was, and Marshall Wellfield's name either was on the wall and got covered up, but it wasn't on the wall. So she got definitely deserved there. to be on the wall, too. That was She got up there again? Yeah. With the new crew? Yeah. She was definitely up there. Sometimes things get, they move shit around. I, yeah, right? I don't know if it was behind the sign or something. I don't know. But I scaled that wall. I mean, I scoped it out many yeah. times and never and never saw it but D. Militant all of them got emotional and Cedric was even emotional when I told him and he was like man I got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame but I don't have my name on the wall I know, and he used to kill Fat Tuesdays yeah. but the thing about it is D. Militant when I told him yeah. he got super emotional Yeah. And, and I think now in hindsight I think he knew he was dying at the time uh. and to have his name on the wall he got emotional because he said, "Wow, you know." That's gonna stay there. Finally, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't have a star on Hollywood Walk of Fame. He has b- great books he's written on black comedy, history yeah. of black comedy, but to have his name on the wall before he passed away, I think, really meant something to him. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was beautiful in that because we understand it, but like it's such a a specific crew. Right. It's only comedy store people right. going to know what the fuck that means. Right. Most people just look at the wall going like, oh, look at that. Right, right. They don't know where I come right. where my fucking name. Right. Well, man, it's a, it's a great doc and it was a great story and I learned a lot and then I, I feel uh, I feel good to know all that history because I didn't have it. And I'm, I and, I'm a, it. and I'm a guy that, you know, lives and breathes the store, really. Man, hey, that's a great place, man. Yeah, yeah. That's, and, a, uh, that's, that's the, I had one in, in the early, um, versions of the doc of the my sizzle you know people call the comedy store the mecca of comedy uh. i had a photoshop of 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 of, pe- of of some people praying on their knees oh really and the comedy store in the background yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's funny that's the funny mecca. the funny thing is is that for years you couldn't get industry to go in that place right that, i mean when i was there in the you know after you know that when that dark period happened right they're like i'm not fucking going there right that place is creepy Right. But during Kennison's reign, that right. place was dirty, man. And what's funny, too, is there's a part in Fat Tuesday when Suge Knight was coming on a regular yeah. industry. Some industry got scared. Yeah. And they wouldn't come because they heard Suge was there every week. Yeah. So it was like, damn. This is when, you know, 90, the 90s when people were scared of Suge. Yeah. Not that they're not scared of him now, but he is locked up. Yeah. It's so funny that I remember, like, I get such a kick out of that. You remember when Cat Williams losing his shit on stage? Yeah. And there's some. There was a uh, like someone's phone video coming on, right, coming right, around. Right, there's right. some uh, black lady's phone video, right, right. And and they're just taping, you know, a cat losing it. Yeah. And then and then Suge comes on the stage, and all you hear is, "Is that Suge? Is that Suge? <laughs> That's when Suge, I think, was managing Cat for a minute. Yeah, but it was just like that. She didn't give a shit about what was going on. Right, like, right, Shug? right. Is that Suge? <laughs> no, I love it. Good talking to you, man. This has been great, man. It has uh, been. Make sure you check out my website. Guy Tory Live, G-U-Y-T-O-R-R-Y-L-I-V-E.com. And follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at Guy Tory, G-U-Y-T-O-R-R-Y. Good talk. Okay, once again, the three-part docuseries Fat Tuesdays, the era of hip-hop comedy, is now streaming on Amazon Prime Video. That was great. Uh, I, I was, uh, it was fun to talk to Guy. Old school comic talk. Here's some guitar. The guitar I played right before the guitar you're about to hear was actually better. Just saying. What do you... There's no way you can know. No way.
Boomer lives. Monkey in La Fonda. Cat angels everywhere.